listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, Senior Contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to another weekly edition of the Smoke Signals Podcast. And again, I want to apologize for not having a show last week. We did record, but we had some audio issues and uh, post-editing, so that unfortunately was not meant to be as far as uh, posting the podcast. I want to thank Corey Christen for stepping in and co-hosting. but uh, we'll get together again, and if you'd like the two of us together, be sure to check us out in the Farm Report. But joining me back in his regular co-hosting chair uh, is uh, IBI C- uh, Editor-in-Chief Justin Lotta. And uh, Justin, uh, other than it being a beautiful evening tonight, I'm sitting out on the back patio at uh, at our apartment right now, and it just taking taken in this beautiful weather. Uh, wish you could say about the, the same about the Indians right now. Yeah, the weather wasn't good for them yesterday, and it was not a uh, good trip to the Big Apple. They uh, got a big bite taken out of them, shall we say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, you know, last week, I was kind of hoping we were able to get that show posted last week because we were having fun talking about, you know, Santana's big clutch hits, the uh, Grand Slam against Minnesota to really punctuate that series and get the Indians back tied for the division lead. And, you know, then they had the clutch walk-off home run uh, the very next day. Yeah, three home runs in three days in a row. And, you know, everything was all uh, every, everything was all uh, optimism and uh, talking about how this team's going to roll right into the postseason. And then they uh, play Boston at home, who takes two out of three from them. And then, as you said, the trip to New York just uh, didn't – did not work out too well. Uh, Yankees beat them two out of three, and then the Mets came in and swept them uh, in Queens. Uh, Mets, one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in the second half right now, which is hard to believe considering how they started the season. So, got to tip your cap to them, I guess, somewhat. But th- that second game, oh my goodness, it still bothers me. Brad Hand not covering first base on what should have been a game-ending double play after Santana again comes through with a clutch home run um, to put the Indians ahead in extra innings. Uh, it, that that really bothered me that night. I did not go to sleep uh, very happy that night after what ha- had happened. And then, of course, how the series uh, transpired overall. It just That was a game that should have been won. Yeah, they really kicked the chances they had away and, and... – Queens. They played fine in New York. You know, the Yankees series, they split it, and the two games they lost, they lost by one run. You know, they were they were pretty close both days. The days they lost, uh, the bullpen, you know, had a couple issues. Uh, not not even just Brad Hand. There were a couple other guys. You know, I think Whitgren gave up a big homer. Or was it Hunter Wood? I forget who it was. I think it was uh, in the year. Yeah, yeah, he gave up a big home run, and that. They just couldn't come back. They mounted a rally both days and came back, showing that you know even against a good Yankees bullpen, the offense wasn't going to let them go quietly. And that's just funny how baseball is. Is you know, like you said, you're recording last week talking about Santana's heroics, beating the Twins uh, three out of four on the road, and then you know a week later here we're talking about how 
well, things aren't looking too good and they're not in the playoff spot anymore. It's like, you never get, I think we've been saying this all year. You just can't get too high and you keep in the good spots. You can't get too low in the bad spots. I mean, they had a two and five road trip, which started off really good with them playing well against the Yankees, winning two games, scoring 19 runs, and then only having two one run losses to, you know, Oscar Mercado's error on Tuesday costing them a big inning and, and the Mets went on to beat them by a big score. And then Brad Hand blows a game that they should have won in two ways. He gave up a, he gave up a couple, couple hits and he didn't cover first base. Uh, and, you know, and you could also mix Santana not throwing home in that situation because Perez, Roberto Perez thought he said he thought Carlos was going to come home with the throw, which I'm not going to blame Carlos. I think he, I think both plays could have been the right decision. Um, and if Brad Hand covers first, we're not even talking about this. So it doesn't matter. And then the offense just didn't show up in that stupid rain-shortened game that never should have been restarted. I don't even know why they tried to play. What did they end up playing, seven or eight innings? I have no idea why they got to that point. I think after six, they should have just said, you know what, let's shut it down and go home because the Indians didn't get in from their plane um, until 4 o'clock on Friday morning. Yeah, exactly. And you know, just more of... You know, you don't understand some of the decision-making processes and how that all works out, but, you know, it ends up that the Indians uh, get swept by the Mets. Again, I I don't take anything away from them. They've been playing really good baseball lately, and it looks like they're, they could be in the hunt for a playoff spot um, down the stretch here. But at the same time, you know, you cannot let mistakes like that happen when you're a team in a tight pennant race. It it just, it can't, it can't happen. There's no other way to put it. You can't, you know, not cover first. You can't, uh, you know, miss, uh, have these costly errors or misplays or something like that. And, you know, I understand some of these guys like Mercado, he's young and learning. Uh, so, you know, you give him more of a pass, but a guy like Brad Hand, who's been in the league for a while now, you, he's a veteran, and I understand he's struggling. He's probably got a lot weighing on him right now, pressure, being a closer and struggling and for a team that's, as I said, in a tight race. Uh, you know, maybe he's in a vulnerable position for those mental errors to occur, but not covering first base. That's something you learn in Little League to do every single time. I don't understand that. Um, <laughs> I think my fiance was pretty annoyed with me by the end of the night because I just kept out loud saying, like, how do you not cover first? <laughs> I mean, they practiced that the first week of spring training. Everyone talks about PFP, pitchers fielding practice. First week of spring training, they work on that. What I mean, where did that go? And not only that, my other issue is, okay, there was a runner on third, um, but there was, there was that, runner on first and third. So why is he even trying to cover home? Because if the, if the thrower doesn't get there in time, the game is tied anyway. And if it gets away, okay, the runner is going to second. It doesn't make a difference. Nothing you can do at home. Why don't you just cover first? Like, why are you covering home? You're trying not to get let the tying run and get the second bay or the uh, the winning run, get in the scoring position. I guess, but man, I, I don't know. It just seems like there's not much you could have done if the throw to home was bad. Like, get the try to get the out at first and end the game rather than try to prevent you know, the next worst-case scenario happening. So I'm not even sure why why Han was looking to back up home plate in the first place. Yeah, and then you mentioned uh, going back to the start of that 
Yankee series. The Indians came in, you know, they lost two out of three against the Red Sox, which, okay, you know, the Red Sox, you know, are not a great team this year, but they're still perennial, they're the defending champions, perennially a very good uh, to elite team in the American League. So, yeah, you take that after a really good stretch against the Twins and some of the, the Angels, some of the other teams they had beaten. Um, then you go in and win 19 19- Win nineteen to uh, was it nineteen to two? Was that the final score? Nineteen to five. I think it was uh, four. Nineteen. Th- Yankees scored four. Let me double check here. Um, it was nineteen and, you know, to in five. The Boston series yeah. too. You know, hand hand blew a game in the Boston series, so they're lucky they even got out of that with a win. Right. Yeah. That second game it was a six, seven to six loss. Santana came back and hit. That's another. It was another Santana home run that bailed them out. Right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, boy, uh, we'll get to Santana in a minute here. He's been, we thought that, you know, at the start of the season he got off to such a hot start that maybe he was going to come back to earth and start to, you know, those numbers would even out and look more like typical Carlos Santana numbers, but he has not cooled off at all. In fact, I'd even argue he's gotten even hotter since the All-Star break. So uh, that's uh, something we'll delve into a little bit here, but... uh, yeah, this is uh, something they need to correct right away because it doesn't. I mean, they get a little break now against Kansas City at home. They can try to break themselves in Detroit, yes. But then you got Tampa Bay, one of the teams you're now chasing for the wild card spot. Uh, in Tampa Bay, you got that series coming up, and then you got the White Sox. But then uh, heading into September, the White Sox have been tough lately. Yeah, this is true. They're but playing they, well. They're a young team, and, you know, I know Lucas Giolito is one of the guys in the mix for a Cy Young. And, but then you got the Twins for not only the first weekend in uh, September, but then uh, the second weekend in September. So two weekends in a row you got the Twins coming up. Uh, then it's, you know, the Angels, Detroit mixed in there, and then the Phillies, and then the Nationals to f- finish out the year. So, you know, it's not as tough as the of a stretch as they've had lately, but, um, you know, they're, you can't say really that it, the schedule is going to let up and there's going to be, um, games and series here that are going to keep you on your toes. So, uh, you cannot let these costly mistakes start to snowball and get out of, con- get out of control here because, uh, that's, what's going to cost you, uh, not only a division, but a, potentially a playoff spot overall. The Indians could be on the outside looking in before all is said and done. And, wouldn't that be a shame after all of the uh, hard work they've put in to come back and make a race, not only in the wildcard race, but also the division race. They made up 11-plus uh, games, and they, this is not the time to you know, let these mistakes co- come up. Um, you've got to figure out – Tito's got to figure out a way to uh, – get these guys back in the right headspace and make sure that they can bear down and play the baseball that they were playing uh, pretty much all throughout the uh, month of months of June and July because uh, August has been a lot more shaky than the last couple of months. So uh, hopefully Septem- the latter portion of this month and into September, they're going to get back into the right gear because um, their playoff lives literally depend on it now. They're, uh, they've, Got uh, not just the Twins now; they've got the the Rays and the a- and the A's now in the mix to contend with. So they really have to take care of business on their end if they're going to make the playoffs and make 
sure that uh, they can even make uh, if they're going to try to win the division. That's great, but uh, you got to make sure you take care of business uh, against the teams you're chasing, like Tampa Bay too. So, and hope for hopefully the the A's start to cool off, but. Um, uh, some news and notes to uh, cover for this week. Uh, Corey Kluber, unfortunately, a piece of bad news for him uh, during his rehab, which I guess was going pretty well. Uh, he strained his oblique, and he is going to be shut down for two weeks. And I don't know, maybe they're still going to try to get him back in September, but with very minimal uh, minor league games left to rehab in, I don't know what the expectations are for him at this point, and I don't think if there are any expectations that we can truly realistically place on him uh, on the other side of the spectrum Carlos Carrasco is really excelling two games for Akron one and two-thirds innings pitch he has yet to allow a run or a hit he's allowed a walk and struck out five in those in that inning and two-thirds so pretty much all the batters all but one of the batters he's faced he struck out uh, and then Bradley Zimmer is uh, seven for 14 in his uh, rehab he's got a uh, Homer, a couple of doubles, four RBIs, two walks, three strikeouts, and a stolen base during his rehab games for Arizona and Akron. So, uh, again, Bradley Zimmer, I don't know if he's going to be a factor for the team this year, but uh, as far as the main pitching injuries, uh, Kluber's had a setback, and Carrasco looks like he's moving forward as as planned with uh, his rehab and could potentially impact the bullpen here uh, within the next couple of weeks. He hit 97 in his uh one of his rehab uh, outings I saw. So his, the fa- fastball velocity is there, and obviously the stuff is still there. Uh, looking at his numbers, so uh, thoughts on uh, Kluber and Carrasco's uh, rehab uh, progress and uh, setbacks uh, that they've had. Well, I mean, I, I got to watch both of uh, Carrasco's rehab starts on MILB TV, and uh, our Mike, our new guy Mike Kuba was there for the first one. So that was pretty nice to see. And he got a great ovation. So obviously, first of all, I think it's worth saying that the fact that the guy was diagnosed, diagnosed with leukemia, what, two months ago, right. And he's already back on the baseball field and he was throwing 97. I know his, I know Thursday last night, he was more, uh, 92, 95, which is about where he's normally, he might've been just amped up that first night out, but, um, that's just incredible to me. Number one, the fact that he, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, he's lost some weight, which is not, you know, uncommon with some of the training. You know, he's not undergoing chemo. He's doing, uh, I think, some medication, and that's not uncommon for leukemia patients to lose weight. Um, so, you know, not that he was a big guy before, but, you know, he's keeping his strength up, and he's throwing that hard, which is just unbelievable. So that's just really incredible, and I'm sure he's inspired a lot of people. That's great. Um, he's going to have a chance to impact the bullpen in September. I don't think you'll see him on the major league roster until September 1st. Uh, I think they're going to make sure that he's ready to go and he's going to be able to throw back-to-back nights because it's going to be a, a, in the bullpen. I know he's pitching Sunday, and then the Indians said he's going to have a couple more outings after that. They're pushing that out to September 1st. I think they want to make sure that he they want to get him a, a, at least one back-to-back outing to make sure that his body feels good and his arm feels good to pitch back-to-back days because he hasn't done that in a long time. Uh, I think the last time he came out of the bullpen was 2014, before he was back in the rotation permanently. I know he right. came out of the bullpen following. He came out of the bullpen following Bauer last year when Bauer was hurt. Uh, I know they had they had him come out of the bullpen once before too, before the All Star break, uh, because of the way the days lined up. But I mean, I, I doubt he's pitched back to back days since 2014. He was out of the rotation at the time, so you know that's, they got to account for that too. 
But I think he'll be a huge, huge piece for the bullpen uh, in September when the rosters expand. And then with Kluber, I don't know. You look at the calendar, like, you know, okay, two weeks from – they said he was shut down two weeks from his last start, which was last Monday and or Sunday. So the minor league baseball playoffs start September 4th, which is the day after, it was the Wednesday after Labor Day. So that's next Wednesday. That's pretty much two weeks from his shutdown date, like – two weeks in a day. So assuming to begin with that he's healthy enough to even start pitching or throwing again after two weeks, this is just evaluating in two weeks. I am saying he's going to be very ready to pitch again in two weeks. They're just saying they're going to evaluate his injury in two weeks. So you're assuming that he's going to be able to pitch like, you know, right at that date, which I don't think is a given. Um, the Clippers and the Captains are both in the playoffs, but the Captains only have a three-game series, and they're on the road for the second two assuming it goes three games. I think AAA is, Jay Kirk, if I'm wrong, is the first round five games, or are they three games as well in the first round? Um, let me see. The uh, the uh, AAA playoff procedures. I, I think AAA is, is five games. Uh, but I think one of those two teams is going to have to advance out of the first round of their playoffs for him to get another rehab stint. Um, you know, cause I, I just don't that you're guaranteed he's going to be healthy enough to pitch right out of that two-week shutdown period. And then he's got to ramp back up. I think best-case scenario for him is um, he might get one rehab appearance in if one of those two teams makes it, or he goes to Arizona and throws, um, or he's going to throw like a sim game, and then, you know, the Indians bring him back in kind of like a, a short stint, like a Justin Masterson role in September when you can do that. Remember when Masterson strained his oblique in uh, 2013? He came back and came out of the bullpen uh, the last month of the season. He was actually really good in that role. I don't know how Kluber would do in that role, but when the rosters expand in, in September, if you have you know the guys you have in rotation now, plus you add Carrasco, uh, plus you can add Kluber, and you can kind of limit Zach Plesac's innings. I know they were talking about his innings limit coming up here soon. Um, two years removed from Tommy John. Then you put Kluber, you know, maybe three innings behind him. That could work, but again, you just, you just gotta, I'm not sure he's going to be healthy in time to get his arm and his body back into that position. Right, and uh, just to answer your question, it looks like the uh, AAA, uh, AAA playoffs are uh, both both rounds are best of five series. So um. Okay, so that... That gives him a few extra days. I, I would be concerned about him pitching for the captains if he's ready because the captains' first home game is September 4th, and they, they would be on the road for two games if it goes three, um, at least with uh, AAA. You know, the series could be extended, and he might have a shot. But I think I think for him, one of those teams is going to have to make out of, out of the first round for him to get another appearance in. Right, and... Uh... I I don't know what to expect from Kluber at this point. And I'm I think that in all honesty, with this kind of setback, it's unfair to place any kind of expectations on him other than if he gets back, he gets back and anything he gives you at that point is just gravy because uh you know, obviously he's not going to be the Cy Young Kluber anymore. He might not even be a starter. Um probably not at this point. Uh he's not going to have enough time to get really stretched out. Um so, uh, yeah, maybe he becomes a long man in the bullpen, and then Carrasco could possibly slot in in the later innings. Um, I mean, that could certainly help if uh, 
if they were to go that route, especially with how uh, some of the guys in the bullpen have struggled of late. Um, but at the same time, it would be hard to not have uh, at least one of those guys in the, rota- <clears throat> in the rotation um, heading into the playoffs. And you would certainly like to have at least one of them in there. Um, not that Kluber has been as consistent uh, this year. Even Carrasco, I mean, we obviously know why he hasn't been as consistent this year. But uh, at the same time, though, you know, we've seen what Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger can do. Uh, we've seen Zach Plezak have success. We even see Adam Plutko come in and really step up, uh, who I want to get to in a second here. Um but then, obviously, the the Trevor Bauer trade comic kind of complicates this too, and not having him in the rotation uh, to back things up. I think if, not that I don't think he was, he wasn't worth trading, and, and what the return they got wasn't worth, uh, you know, dealing him. But it still would be nice to have him in the rotation as kind of that steady veteran force um, to back up Clevenger and Bieber. Versus, you know, now the well, pressure fair, is on He Clevenger. was not very consistent either. True. He struggled. He struggled quite a bit, too. This is true. But at the same time, you know, now all the pressure is on Clevenger and Bieber to really be those guys in the rotation to step up and be as consistent as they can possibly be. Because, you know, you're after that, you, you're relying on Plezak, uh, you're relying on Plutko, and, and Aaron Savale, all of whom are rookies or at least... Close recently uh, have uh, arrived in the majors. I mean, the same is true for uh, Bieber and even Clevenger to a certain extent. And I just, I just think that uh, you know, not having one of at least one of Carrasco or Kluber in the rotation, you know, not necessarily that it uh, really hurts their chances in the playoffs, but it, uh, it all it does is it shifts the burden of responsibility as far as being the leaders of the rotation to, you know, Shane Bieber and Mike Clevenger, which is a lot to ask of two pitchers who are still relatively new to the major league level. Yeah. I mean, Clevenger did have some months off there with the injury. So I think, you know, he'll be a little bit rested and he's getting better as the year goes on. So at least his, he should be relatively fresh. Uh, Not that he's shown any signs of it, but I am, there is a thought in the back of my head I'd be worried about Bieber just because I know he threw a lot of innings last year. I know he threw 170 innings um, his first year. So he's he's thrown a good amount of innings for a player his age as far as, you know, building that um, stamina up for being able to, you know, stay healthy and, and ready to go throughout the year. But, you know, there is a thought in the back of your mind that because they've had to rely on him so heavily this year with the injuries, you know, we've seen Kluber – uh, in 2017 and 2018, just sort of gasped at the end of the year with little uh, dings and dents and just all the innings he's piled up. You know, you just worry that getting into the playoffs that, you know, hopefully if you get there, if Beaver's, you know, completely as healthy as he can be and ready to do it, you know, and, and not only that, but, you know, they're chasing down a playoff spot here. If they get in the wild card game, you're fighting for the last week. Um, and you got to use your best arms. You can't rest anybody or, you know, skip anybody's start. So you don't even know if you have Clevenger or Bieber lined up for a playoff game. Like, what if they get in the wild card game and, and Clevenger or Bieber starts on Sunday? You know, that gives them 
uh, two days in between the next start. So one of them is not going to be available probably. I, you know, if it comes down to the last game of the season, I don't think you're going to be relying on Adam Plutko or, or Zach Plesek at that point, you know? Exactly. Unless you hope you don't have to. But, you know, at the same time, even if they were going still going for the division, which, you know, they're still in the mix. Three and a half games out is not insurmountable uh, at this point in the season. But uh, we pretty much knew that it's probably going to go down to the last week or maybe even the last day of the season, no matter if they were competing for the division or the wild card. So um, it's not like they were in a position to really be able to give guys days off and you know, it's kind of a different story based on the last couple of years where they kind of had the division sewn up in early September uh, the last few years. And, you know, now they're really they get the going rest to rest guys how they wanted. Yeah, they get to rest guys. They get to uh, make sure they're fresh. And now it's a different uh, different story. Uh, I know Francona is going to have to be very uh, strategic in how he uses his players, making sure that they – the, that they're uh, in there to help the team uh, get back into the playoff spot that they need to be in, but also to make sure that they're fresh and ready for the playoffs. And there's not going to be a whole lot of uh, wiggle room either way on uh, on that, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I mean, the one good thing is that Francona is always worried about winning the game in front of you. He's been good about that since the 2016 playoffs, I think. Uh, you know, win today and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And as we get closer to the end of the season and these playoff spots become tighter, whether it's the wild card or the division. Uh, I think they'll be pretty, I think he'll that message will be plenty relayed to the players and hopefully they play like it because I know obviously the sleep was filled with a few mistakes you wouldn't like to see. All right. So really quickly, I, I think we're both kind of in agreement that Bradley Zimmer is pretty much a non-factor, even though he's playing well in his rehab outings. Um, Maybe a pinch runner. Maybe, maybe uh, on the outside chance there, but uh, just really quickly, uh, since we haven't had a chance to really talk about Zimmer and what he's still brings to the table as far as the f- his future with the Indians, um, what do you see from him if uh, you know rehab progresses well, he's back and healthy? Let's say by next season, what do you what, what do you anticipate? Um, I mean, I know it's a little bit of ways off, but uh, do you think he's still in the mix for uh, a starting outfield job? Yeah, I mean, maybe if they don't re-sign Puig and then you have Mercado and Allen and Naquin and Luplo, um, I, I really don't see them handing Daniel Johnson a job out of spring training. That's just not what they do. Um, they, they've never done that except for Naquin in uh, 2016, but that was not due to injury. And, you know, remember, he's also undergoing a swing change, too. I don't know if you saw my – I tweeted earlier this week or I saw a picture of him rehabbing. Uh, his stance totally changed. Remember, he was wide open at the plate. His stance, he is. Uh, his legs are even now, so he's his legs are lined up evenly at the plate instead of being that wide open stance. So, you know, not as long as he's only coming back from injury, he's also trying to learn some new swing mechanics. So, I, I don't know what he's going to do this off season. I don't know if he's going to play winter ball. Maybe I think he might have too many at bats to play in the a- AFL. I don't know if they can send him to the AFL because um, there's a, a rule about how many how many games played a guy has until he's not allowed to play there anymore. Um, so my I still think that he's going to go back to Columbus in 2020. You know, unless he just really has a fantastic spring and they can't deny him a job. I think he has a chance, but I think Mercado and, and Allen and Naquin and Luplo are 
going to be your outfielders next year unless they add somebody or, um, you know, with Reyes in the mix too, obviously, but he's more of a DH. Yeah, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe you're going to see him in the outfield here next year unless he just really has a great spring. Well, I'm hoping for the best because we both know how talented he he is and the uh, tools he possesses. If he can put it all together, he can still be a pretty uh, a pretty strong force both at the plate and on the bases as well as in the field. So uh, let's see what uh, New Year holds in store for him and. Uh, Good to see him progressing well in his rehab, though. And, uh, you know, it's a small sample size, but two walks versus three strikeouts. Uh, pretty good uh, ratio right there already. So maybe new swing mechanics might have something to do with that. Maybe he's being a little more selective at the plate. Uh, but, again, small sample size in, at Arizona and A, so uh, take that with a grain of salt. But um, we'll see. uh Again, what uh, 2020 holds in store and what the future holds in store for him, what the Indians uh, what the Indians have in mind for him as far as uh, his future. Um, really moving ahead now, I want to talk about uh, Brad Hand, who has been struggling lately. And, you know, we already talked about that key game, or a couple of key games now of late that he's been responsible. If I don't know, solely responsible for the loss. I don't want to hang anything on one guy, but... Um, it, there, there are games that have been, could have been easily won, and he, when he entered the game, it got kind of got uh, out of hand for back of, lack of a better word. Um, <laughs> but uh, other than that, though, let's going by the numbers. He's got a 6.59 ERA since the All Star break. He was at 2.17 uh, before the break, and you know he's allowed. Uh, 20 hits in 13 and two-thirds innings, three homers, six walks, and 21 strikeouts. So the ratio is not bad there, um, but it's just he's allowed a lot of hits. He's allowed a few home runs. He only allowed two home runs in the first half, and he's already allowed three so far. Um, and then a lot of hits and a lot of runs. It's just it no other way to put it. And uh, I think I saw somebody on Twitter today. I didn't get a chance to read the story, but some – I don't know if it was a writer for us or some one of our uh, compadres uh, on one of the other sites talked about uh, how Hand has basically lost his fastball. And, you know, the slider's still good. The strikeouts clearly uh, are evidence of that, but he's not doing anything to really set it up. So, uh, so the question is, you know, can he get back to the pre-All-Star break Brad Hand where he – as I said, had an ERA right around two and was probably the best closer in baseball at that point. And can he get it back together in time uh, for the stretch run? Because right now he's not very reliable going out there in the ninth inning. Yeah, it was. I think it was Alex Cooper of uh, Let's Go Tribe who wrote, I think what you're talking about, because I just read it today, it was about how he's relying on a slider a lot and uh, – he can't locate it, and then when he gets behind, he's throwing his fastball. But he's really reduced his fastball percentage, and that's really hurting him. And not only that, I looked into it a little bit deeper. It's obviously a small sample size, but uh, in the second half, left-handers I think are at like an, uh, over a 900 or a thousand OPS, or right-handers I should say, have over a thousand OPS against him. Left-handers about normal. I think it's like a 539 OPS. So he still gets left-handers out, but right-handers are just crushing him. And I don't know if it's they're seeing the ball better out of his hand. I did see some people theorize that uh, he might be tipping his pitches, such as the slider, and I kind of agree with that. 
but you know he's throwing the slider way too much, and teams are sitting on it. And um, if he's tipping it, and his hard hit rate's going up, and if you look back at the first half, his fly ball numbers were way up. He was giving up a ton of fly balls in the first half. You know, and Gavin Potter uh, wrote about it for us about how his ground ball rate just completely plummeted this year, and it was very bizarre. And now I think the fly ball rate that he's the spike he's seen is, is coming back to bite him. And if he's predictable with the slider, right-handers have seen the ball better. You know, he's got to adjust fast. I, I listened to a podcast today from uh, I forget where who hosted it, but Matt Barnes, who is the one of the Red Sox setup guys, said you know it's really harder to be a two-pitch pitcher right now in baseball, even as a reliever. You know, a lot of relievers can, used to be able to get by on two pitches. And he said, it's just hard right now to be a two-pitch pitcher with the way hitters have so many tools at their disposal to um, figure out pitchers. And that's what Hand is. Hand is, Hand is a two-pitch pitcher, and right now he's throwing the slider too much. So they got to figure that out real fast. I'm, I'm not as concerned with the little gaps and mistakes they made this week, you know, with McConnell's error and even Brad Hand's, you know, goofy PFP mix-up or whatever happened there. I, my number one concern right now, I'm not saying I'm panicking, but my number one concern with this team is Brad Hand, and if, if he's going to get it back. This is not the time of year, the position they're in, that he can afford to um, continue this, this trend. And we've mentioned it before, you know, when Brad Hand was good, you know, he was their entire bullpen, essentially. You know, I know guys like Nick Wickren and uh, Adam Simber and uh, Nick Goody have really stepped up and uh, been effective. But are any of those guys like, you know, your go-to get three outs in the eighth, seventh or eighth inning setup guys? Um, You know, I know by default, you know, Simber and Goody and uh, Nick Wickren are, but um, they're not, you know, they're not Brian Shaw. They're not uh, Andrew Miller or Cody Allen. Or, you know, I know it's unfair to compare to, to those guys since in their, when they were on top of their game, they were the best uh, late inning trio in, in all of baseball for a couple of years. And, but at the same time, you know, if if Brad Hand isn't on his game and isn't pitching well, um, who's next in that bullpen? Because I don't think you can run Adam Simber or Nick Whitgren or Nick uh, Goody out there in the ninth inning. Or heck, I didn't. I don't know if I fully trust any of them in the eighth inning um, on on a night in and night out basis. So that's something you know. As good as the Indians bullpen has been um, for the most part this year, by the numbers, you know, the lowest ERA in the American League or second lowest in baseball, whatever it's been, um, individually, there's not a lot of guys I trust uh, in the key situations, uh, again, on that night-in and night-out basis. I just don't I just don't see it. Uh, that's where you get guys like maybe Carrasco in there who could potentially be a boost for this bullpen. Heck, even get James Karinczak in there. Uh, I think he could come up and really hold his own, at least initially. He's got that enough of uh good stuff and a little bit of uh a little bit of the uh, mechanical deception that can really work in the majors before guys can start to figure him out um so but i don't know it's that this is where uh as you said it's not an ideal time for Brad Hand to really uh have these kind of struggles uh, because you don't know who the next man up in the bullpen is going to be 
Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, Nick Goody's been really good this year. Um, but I, I, you don't want to take him out of the eighth inning role, I don't think. You know, he needs someone to get to the ninth inning. I think Carrasco is where Carrasco's got to come in, but you're waiting another week on Carrasco, basically. And that's really uh, really a dangerous game to play when you're this, you know, this close in the playoff race. I think they need to consider other options if this happens again. Um, but like you said, yeah, there's like nobody else you can trust. I don't know if you're going to see James Karen Shack or Cam Hill this year. I really don't. Um, they may let those two guys down there through the playoffs because you'd also have to find 40 man spots for him. You know, both of them or one of them even. Yeah. I mean, I understand that. And, uh, as far as Carrasco is concerned, yeah, I understand that maybe he, he's the best option to slot in there, but is it also kind of unfair to, you know, have him come back from where he's come from and say, Hey, you got to come in and be the closer. I mean, yeah, he's a team player. He'll do whatever, uh, the team tells him to do. But, um, as far as placing expectations on him, I just feel like it's unfair to really say, you know, okay, we can just put Carrasco in there. He can be the closer. I, I mean, it could work in theory, but, um, I don't, I don't like the idea of just, you know, arbitrarily saying, all right, you know, Brad Hand struggling, Carlos, you're, you're rehab ready to go. You're the new closer. It just it just seems kind of unfair to me. Yeah, I agree. That's a risky situation to put yourself in, especially because he's never done it before. You know, he's never been a closer, and he's never pitched. I mean, I, I can't really remember the top of my head what situations he pitched in as a reliever uh, when he was demoted to the bullpen in 2014. But I know as time wore on, he threw in more high-leverage games. But he was never really a high leverage reliever at that point. So yeah, unless you can find a way to get him in those situations, the minors, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on, but he's going to pitch Sunday. And like I said, he, they, they plan on having him pitch a few more outings in Columbia or in the minor leagues next week. Um, cause I, they're definitely going to stretch this out until September 1st and rosters expand. Um, maybe keep an eye on that, you know, maybe keep an eye on what situations they're bringing him in. Maybe if you see them wait until the eighth inning to bring him in or the ninth inning, maybe he comes in a safe situation that might be telling if they if they get him into one of those situations. So I guess we'll have to kind of monitor how they use him over the next uh, 10 days or so in the minors. All right, I don't want to spend too much time on the negative because, it's, as I said, it's a beautiful night sitting outside enjoying this beautiful weather. Let's uh, finish up on a, on a positive note here. First of all, talking about uh, Adam Pletko, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, his numbers don't look great overall this year, but he's... Pretty much, I, I would you venture to say he's kind of becoming the new Josh Tomlin in the bullpen or in the starting rotation as a guy who you know is not going to put up the best numbers. He's not going to dominate, but he's every time you send him out there on the mound, he's going to keep you in a game. He's going to give you five, six, maybe even seven innings, uh, and and do his job because uh, that's basically what he's doing right now. I'm looking at his game logs. Uh, the last four, five, six outings, we're looking at you know six innings, five plus innings, maybe even seven innings on a rare occasion. Um, yeah, his ERA is over four, right around four and a half, maybe more on the year overall. Um, but as I said, kind of similar to what Josh Tomlin did when he was here. Uh, he just goes out there and he'll keep you in a game and give you a chance to win and uh, give you innings and do his job. So, uh, you know, some people like to rag on Adam Plucko. We were just saying before we went on the air, but I think that's kind of unfair because um, – well, he's not the best pitcher. He's going to go out there and do his job, and that's all you can really ask, especially for a guy who's uh, pretty much your fifth starter. 
Yeah, I mean, the Indians have the benefit of having just have had tons of rotation talent. Obviously, we know that they've just had a, a number of really good pitchers, and people used to do the same thing with Josh Tomlin because he didn't throw above ninety uh, ever. So, um, and you're used to seeing guys like uh, Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, and then Mike Clevenger and and, uh, and Shane Bieber. So he doesn't fit in with the rest of those guys. That's that's obvious, but. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of teams, even even fringe contenders, like look what Oakland's doing right now. They have, you know, Mike Fires and, and Homer Bailey in their rotation. You think they wouldn't take uh, an Adam Plutko knowing that, hey, every time he's going to go five to six innings and give us, you know, about three runs or a chance to be in the game. They would take that. A lot of fringe, fringe teams would take that. I mean, you know, would he crack the Mets rotation? No. Would he crack this rotation if it was healthy? No. That's the point. But if you have a guy that's that consistent that can crack the back end of your rotation and, and, and just kind of keep you in the, ga- in the game in the face of injuries to better pitchers, that's all you can ask for. And I think he's pitching exactly the way you hope he pitches. You know, and occasionally he, he might give you a dud, and occasionally, like you said, he might go seven innings. So I think he's exactly what you, you hope for in your, I guess he's, is he really their sixth starter, I guess? Right, yeah, he's kind of been that uh, swing man moving out, up and down from AAA to the rotation. When they need a spot starter, or somebody gets hurt, he can slide right in there. But now he's the the fifth starter, and behind uh, obviously uh, Clevenger, Bieber, uh, Savale, uh, and Plezak. So now you have. Plutko in the mix, and he's doing pretty well. I mean, first half he had a 4.95 ERA, so you know, not great. 36 and a third inning so far in the second half, 4.17 ERA. Again, not great, but an improvement over the first half. And as I said, he's going to go out there give you at least five innings. Uh, more often in the second half, he's giving you six. So um, it's a lot of the same things again. What we've seen. All the arguments we had with when Josh Tomlin was in the rotation, talking about, you know, he's people get obsessed with uh, performance, and yeah, as you said, it's it's easy to understand with uh, the standard. Uh, the bar was set pretty high by guys like Kluber, Carrasco, and Bauer and Clevenger, all in their prime, but so it's kind of a steep drop off. But when you go, when you still have a a fifth starter who can go out there and give you five, six innings, keep you into a keep you in a game. You can't ask for much more than that. It's very hard to ask for a one through five starting rotation that is as dominant as you know a, a Kluber or Carrasco or Bauer as a, or Clevenger, as we said in their in their prime. So uh, all you can ask for is a guy who's going to go out there, give you innings, and uh, keep you in a game. Yep, exactly. So. Um, Lastly, before we go, I wanted to touch on uh, kind of how – just how clutch Carlos Santana – and it isn't even how clutch he's been. It's been how uh, consistent he's been overall. I mean I was looking at his splits uh, on fan graphs uh, earlier and – you know, particularly his uh, splits between when the bases are empty and when men are on base. How about the fact that Santana has had a 288 batting average with the bases empty, a 291 average with the with men on base, and a 288 average with men in scoring position? I mean, it doesn't get any more consistent than that. And then looking at uh, some of the more advanced numbers. Um, 
with a uh, bases empty. Uh, Santana has a 983 OPS. Men on base 920 OPS. Men in scoring position 928 OPS. I mean, <laughs> and then it's kind of the same thing with way to run created plus 152 with bases empty, and then 140 with both men on base and men in scoring position. So, uh, and you know, we talk about the home, big home runs he's had lately and how he's coming through in the clutch. But really, when you look at the numbers that way, all he's done is just be consistent no matter what the situation is. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's definitely far and away the team MVP this year. They would not have survived their early season struggles without him. And to kind of bring things full circle, the Indians also would not be in the situation they're in now if Brad Hand wasn't just so clutch and reliable. I don't like clutch, but just Mr. Reliable in the first half. He was you know, phenomenal until the All-Star break. So without those two guys, the Indians wouldn't be where they are. I know Hand's struggling now, but yeah, Santana by far is the team MVP. He's you know, he pulled Hand out of, uh, what, two straight games where he, or two straight days where he blew leads. They won because of Santana. So, yeah, he's been unbelievable. It's so great to have him back, and he's fun to watch. He makes baseball fun. And the fact that he's having just a great year is is cherry on top of him coming home. Got to keep Shane Bieber in that mix too. The Indians wouldn't be where they were, uh, where they are now without Bieber in the rotation. So yeah, it's pretty much, if you can pick the MVPs of all three aspects of the team, offensively it'd be Santana, starting rotation would be Bieber, and in the bullpen would be Brad Hand, even with his struggles right now. Because, uh, you know, without even just any one of these guys uh, playing as well as they have, they, this team could very easily be well out of the playoff race right now. We'd be talking about, you know, what's in store for 2020 right now. So uh, uh, you got to give props to all three of them and how well they performed. And uh, now, hopefully, despite this minor setback, things have been coming together over the last couple months, and they will continue to do so. Um, so looking ahead to uh, next week's action, we have, as I mentioned, a um, couple games at home, three games against the Royals, another brief homestand. August has been weird with the home game schedule because, you know, you were in Minnesota for four games, come home against Boston for three, go back out on the road for seven days, seven games and eight days in New York, come back home for three against Kansas City, then go right back out on the road to Detroit and Tampa Bay. So, again, schedule makers, I don't know what their line of thought is sometimes, but we won't harp too much on that. But uh, So the Royals uh, in this upcoming home se- Series over the weekend, you got uh, looking at the picking pitching matchups here. Um, hopefully, this should be a better series for the Indians to right themselves and get back on track. But uh, yeah, you got Clevenger against Sparkman, uh, Glenn Sparkman for the Royals on Saturday or tonight rather on Friday, and uh, Saturday it's uh, Bieber uh, with Kansas City starter to be determined. Oh, I'm sorry, that's uh, uh, Clevenger versus Sparkman is Saturday. I missed Friday. Uh, Plezak versus Jacob Junis is uh, Friday. Apologize for uh, looking that up wrong. But, uh, yeah, Clevenger versus Sparkman on Saturday, and then Bieber versus To Be Determined on Sunday. Then the Indians have an off day on Monday before heading up to Detroit for three games. And then they will uh, then head down south, Tampa Bay, uh, for a three-game set. So, uh any th- uh, thoughts on this upcoming stretch for the Indians? They have a little bit of a break here against Kansas City and Detroit, but then 
they have to get right back into the thick of uh, playoff baseball with uh, Tampa Bay. Um, anything, uh, anything you want to add in about the series coming up? Yeah, I mean, not to be negative, but they can't afford to stub their toes. I mean, they got six against two of the worst teams in baseball right in their own division. They have to take care of business. They got the White Sox next week, too. Is, um, you know, they're not they're no pushover at this point. Um, and then, they, you know, at least they control their own destiny a little bit with facing Tampa Bay. You know, that at least gives them a little bit of hope uh, if they can, you know, manage to take care of business down there going to be a tough stretch they got to not lose focus against two of these bad teams and let those mental mistakes kill them and then they have to go back out on the road and play another playoff contender so it's like you said every game is going to be tight and and all and you know we i know early in the year we kept talking about how all oh, this game is going to be you know a big a big deal but you want to know what at this point in the season the way that standings are playing out every game is a big deal i mean right. like you said last week you and Corey were talking about how about uh, how things were going so well. They beat the Twins. They were ready to, you know, take over a playoff spot. They were in control. And a week later, we're here talking about how they can get back into the playoffs. So uh, every game, every series is, is a big swing at this point. So there are no more. Um, well, this series doesn't mean as much as the rest. These games are all important right now. Yep, and uh, you're going to hang on every win and every loss. But you know what? That's why we love this great game is for uh, seasons like this when every game matters. So, um, you know, we... Is it too cliche to say that this is playoff baseball right now? I don't think so. I think uh, even the games against the the Royals and uh, the Tigers, who, you know, they, they see the standings. They know what's in, at stake for the Indians right now. They're going to want to go in there and play spoiler, especially against the division rivals. So, uh, can't take these games for granted, as you said. So, uh, Indians have to get their head head on heads on straight collectively and really uh minimize those mental errors uh even against teams like uh Kansas City and Detroit who despite uh their records in uh the division and in the league they are out to be spoilers no doubt about it so um well another great show this week Justin we uh, covered a lot of ground and um we'll see what this week has in store and uh, hopefully we'll be talking uh, about the Indians making up some ground again uh, and get back on, on top of things, either in the wild card or maybe even in the division. Who knows? Uh, as you said, this is the time of year when each series and each week can swing the standings on on its end. So uh, very uh, very fun time of the year, though. And, you know, even though our blood pressures may disagree uh, – this is the kind of baseball we sign up for when we uh, watch this great game uh, over the long six-month haul of the season. Once we get down to the nitty-gritty here in late August and then into September, this is uh, this is what it's all about. So, uh, before we go, Justin, anything you want to plug? Uh, let's see. I'll have uh, three up, three down on Sunday as usual. Uh, I know I have this week's uh, uh, on Diamonds in the Rough. I got to think about who that is. It might be Shane McCarthy, who I actually saw pitch last night. So. I think I'm just going to go ahead and write about him anyway because I saw him pitch last night. And he was really good. He had uh, he recorded ten outs and three and a third and three and a third innings pitched, and he struck out all ten uh, outs he had. So that was really fun to see. Even though the uh, rest of the game was um, about the worst game I've seen all year from any level of baseball. Um, and then yeah, yeah, four, uh, three up, three down on Sunday. Also, want to tell people to get on the site today because we had tons of content today. We had gosh, it was a great day for us. 
we had, you know, in addition to our around the farm staple, we had uh, a, a rubber duck support from uh, Dan. Dan is down there for Carrasco's rehab start, a rehab appearance last night. So we had the injury update from Dan. Um, we had four thoughts from you. I had the scrapper's notebook. And then we had Michael Kuba's piece, which was uh, breaking down the swing changes from Quentin Holmes and Will Benson this year. Michael went back and dug up a lot of video and, and created some gifts um, comparing their swings from high school to now. So I would definitely go and look at that. That's a really nice piece of content about two of the Indians' prospects that they hope come through uh, in the next few years who have undergone some serious swing changes since their times as uh, amateurs. Really a lot of, lot of uh, video and a lot of research done by Michael. Yeah, I saw there was a lot of uh, uh, those gifts and videos uh, added into our uh, image library, and then and it's great to have that kind of interactive content on the site again. I know, you know, we, I pretty much we've lost a couple of writers who provided that kind of content, so it's great to have somebody back who's into putting that kind of effort and detail into writing these pieces. And I'm, I'm looking forward to giving that a read too, because uh, you know, while Quentin Holmes hasn't quite you know, panned out this year for Lake County. I know Will Benson's had a nice rebound season, so I want to read more about that. And uh, you mentioned four thoughts for me. Um, I talked a lot about uh, Mark Mathias, who's had a nice comeback campaign for the Clippers this year, and I think he could be in the mix for a, a utility player job uh, next year in Cleveland. And talked about him, talked about Mitch Reeves, who's had a nice uh coming out party this year in uh, Lake County and Lynchburg. I think he's a guy worth keeping an eye on. And then I also talked about uh, Brian Lavastida and uh, uh, Robert Broom, who continue to put together just impressive campaigns. Uh, so uh, check that out on Four Thoughts. It's uh, great stuff. And also check out the Smoke Signals podcast, or the Farm Report podcast, rather, where uh, Corey, Kristen, and I pretty much discussed a lot of the same. Um, and we talked about a lot about Brian Lavastida. We talked about Mark Mathias. And also Kai Tom, too, who's he's up to 20 home runs now on the year. And I don't know. It's a crowded outfield, but I don't know if you can count him out in the mix either. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So uh, check I check that. I hope they put him on the 40-man roster. Otherwise, they're going to lose him. Right. So uh, we talked about that, too, the Rule 5 uh, aspect of things. But uh, check that out as well. And also check out Diamonds in the Rough. Uh, Justin has it this week. I'll have it the week after. Um, might actually do a little uh, piece on Brian Lavastida uh, for the Diamonds in the Rough next year. Or next week, rather. Who... Uh, just has been uh, so good at the plate uh, of late for the Scrappers. And uh, speaking of the Scrappers, I want to also congrat- congratulate them on their combined no-hitter uh, on Wednesday night or Thursday night. So uh, congrats to them on uh, an 8 nothing victory coming right out of the New York Penn League All-Star break against Williamsport, uh, where the uh, uh, Little League World Series is currently taking place. Uh, scrappers go in there and, uh, and toss a combined no-no. Yeah, that was really cool to see. A lot of good pitching performances, and they also scored eight runs. They're they're surging right now. They're back. I thought a week ago I kind of wrote them off as dead as far as the postseason's concerned, but they had a great week. They're back in it. They are, and uh, three I think three four games out at this point in the division. They're closer to the division than they are to the wild card. So uh, if they're gonna go for it, they gotta go for it all and win that division. Try to make it three straight years for them uh, to win that division. But uh, 
So good luck to them. Congrats on the no-no. Um, and looking forward to seeing how they do down these last uh, several games. They only got like 13 games left, I believe, in the season. So they got to make hay while the sun shines. Um, but as far as we're concerned, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D Baseball. Uh, Justin's at JL underscore Baseball. You can uh, follow the podcast account at Smoke Signals IBI and follow the uh, site account at Official underscore IBI. You get all the story links, including all the stuff we posted today, uh, four thoughts and around the farm, the injury report, um, and uh, Michael Kuvo's piece. A lot of great content. Uh, you can find all that uh, logged on Twitter there. Uh, you can tweet at us with any kind of uh, Indians thoughts or questions or anything you want to know about prospects. We'll do our best to answer them uh, to the best of our knowledge. Um, and uh, lastly, be sure to uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a nice rating and spread the word. Uh, that's all we ask. We appreciate your support as we come down to home stretch here in the season. Thanks um, nice again, Justin. Uh, hope you're you can enjoy some of this beautiful weather as I know I will be uh, uh, as the evening winds down. But uh, until next time, for Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals podcast, I am Jake Dungan, and we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.